everybody here. Um, I'm just, I just follow orders. Rita, I just come on in. We're, we're okay. Okay. Well, this is the uh, dedicated group. Uh, dear, would you copy down all the names like for extra credit on the final? Um, Porter was all worried about that last week. Oh, I'm not going to make it through the final. Uh, you probably won't just because of your annoying questions. No, um, bless his heart. He's recovering at home. So, um, Okay, let's pray. Father, we just want to humble ourselves again um, in front of your mighty word. And um, I just confess there are deep things here that um, I don't understand and, and uh, that I don't know if we'll ever really understand the connections uh, because it's from your mind, Father, and uh, your thoughts are certainly not our thoughts. And, but you've given us this account uh, for illumination and so that we might know you and your plan, just the order that you've created, Father, is just majestic. And so, um, again, we just depend upon you to be able to understand these passages, and so we just uh, humble ourselves even more so that we could learn from you and know you. Uh, we love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So we're up to about verse 9 in uh, Genesis 1. And these next couple of sections um, are, are pretty interesting. This, this first section that we'll try to tackle is from verses 9 to 13. It's kind of an interlude between God stretching out the expanse. He hadn't populated it yet. That comes later. But it's between him stretching out the expanse and filling it later, populating it with uh, stars and and uh, so, um, let me just read it. It's, this is uh, 1-9, verse 9 to 13. Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of, wa of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind, with seed in them on the earth. And it was so. In verse 12, and the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, a third day. So, <clears throat> we've dealt with the term waters a little bit, or actually a lot, but um, this is again kind of developing that theme, and the only way I can make sense out of this is the different phases of matter, uh, and uh, the, the fourth phase being plasma, not blood plasma, but but the, the fourth state where um, water is the greatest, great example of this because you have uh, ice and then you have liquid water. And those actually have about the same density, which is unique 
for water. Usually the density continues to go up as you increase these, these phases. So you melt ice to do a phase change to water, and then you increase the temperature, and that water becomes steam. And what happens when you increase the, te the temperature after that continually? What's the next phase? Plasma. That fourth state of matter, which actually it's like 90% of the universe or something because that's what this, at the center of stars. The nuclear fusion reactions in stars to create this bright light, that's a plasma in the center of those stars. And stars are the largest bodies in the universe combined into galaxies. And so it's the most predominant state of matter, believe it or not. In Earth, we have this nice controlled, the other phases that we, that it's just how we live. And, uh, but the most predominant state is this plasma state. So we talked about that in Genesis 1-2, and I won't go back to that. But now, let the waters below the heavens be gathered uh, into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. So the way I think about this is that, okay, so this is another state. So condensed. It could be another word for gathered. So this, this fourth state, plasma state, then you condense it down and it becomes uh, liquid water and becomes gathered in one place. And that one place can be the surface of the earth. That is one place, which makes sense. And then let the dry land appear. So again, this is sort of a phase change where waters becomes liquid, H H2O water, and on the surface of the earth. Just a little bit more on the word gathered. It's uh, the word kava with a Q. It's a primitive or primary root uh, to collect uh, or condensed down is another way to say that. Um, and so we've been over the, the waters analogy, so I won't do that again, but it's just it's this, these states that, that change. Um, the one thing I really like, and we see it a few places in Genesis 1, and it's sort of an emphasis where God says, Moses records, and it was so. It seems kind of curious when you first see it, but it's sort of an emphasis. Hey, it was, it was so. It was done. Uh, like in Psalm 33, 6 and 9, uh, it was done. It was complete. <clears throat> Definitive. Um, not evolving. And that's really the key. Not evolving. And so in verse 10, and God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the water, same word as we had gathered up um, earlier, a gathering of the waters he called seas. That kind of makes sense with the, sort of the model that we're looking at here. The waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Um, now, this is the first time he says, and God uh, saw, he observed it. So already this is a big break from modern cosmology because at this point everything was opaque, you know, didn't break through this, this cosmic fireball explosion for 280,000 years. Makes perfect sense. <clears throat> so, um, but God saw. So these, this, is, this is all transparent. This was observable. And God saw that it was good. The last time he said that, was for the creation of light. Uh, he didn't say after the expanse, and the expanse was good. Why do you think that is? That's okay, I'll answer it. Uh, because the stars, he hadn't filled the expanse yet, 
with stars and planets and uh, all the celestial bodies and things. So maybe that's the case. Uh, but at least this is the next time he says, God saw that it was good. Light was good in uh, Genesis 1-4. <clears throat> this gathering again, um, it's mikvah as compared to kava, which is the previous word for gathered. Um, and it's from the same root, a collection or uh, collected. Um, which you could think in terms like a reservoir collects water. And of course, the word good, uh, that's the word tob, T-O-B, uh, pleasant, agreeable, uh, good. Well, that's not very much help, but it, you know, we intrinsically know what good means, so to be pleasing or good. <clears throat> so uh, then, in verse 11, then God said, let the earth, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, sprout vegetation, grass, herbs, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind, with seed in them on the earth. And it was so. <clears throat> so again, the emphasis on this was done, finished, complete. Um, the, the interesting thing here is uh, the sun isn't even created yet. So what is this about? I, I don't know. Uh, this is maybe Moses recording this, which occurs later, you know, when the, when the earth does sprout uh, vegetation. But I think in the order of this, he's showing the importance for man, that these things are all created for man. And so um, let the earth sprout vegetation. Also in Genesis um, 2, 5, this may relate, I don't know. Uh, now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the, God, the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. So maybe that, that when it's first recorded here in these verses we read, it's relating here to a later time. Um, not sure, but this is the order that we're told, so... <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, another thing, anybody else, anything else in this verse strike any, anybody? After their kind. Why is that important? Because that's right, that's the order of life. Um, you know, it's a fairy tale that you have cross species, you know, evolution, macroevolution. Doesn't exist. Well, it takes millions of years. Yeah, still, you live that long, you're not going to see it. Uh, it just, uh, you know, there's only microevolution, in a sense, within a species, natural selection. Natural selection really works. But this macroevolution where species become other species, it just it doesn't, doesn't happen because after their kind. And he repeats that a couple of times, so you'll, you'll notice that when we see it. So no cross-species mutation. Um, which is required for the Darwinian macroevolution. Um, <clears throat> natural selection is certainly true, but it's a huge jump from natural selection to uh, macroevolution. So in verse 12, and the earth, um, 
brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their or its kind, which again, this is the order. The thing that strikes you, the difference between any kind of secular model is the order um, that's, that's observed here. Everything is orderly. It's, it's after its own kind. And um, nothing in, in secular cosmology is orderly. Uh, it's just random. And, and, and why do you think that is? If you have order, what does that mean? You have an orderer, a creator. And they don't want to deal with that. That's the whole purpose of evolution is to try to find a substitute. Problem is you back it up all the way toward the beginning. Ah, uh, we don't know. Can't answer for that. Where'd that initial, which is ridiculous to talk about infinite densities and temperatures, but where did that beginning of the Big Bang come from? Oh, I don't know. We don't know. <clears throat> so order is the key here. Um, <clears throat> and trees bearing fruit with seed in them, after there it's kind. And God saw that it was good. Um, again, this is sort of that specific procreation after their own kind, which is the order that we observe. And in verse 13, uh, and there was evening and there was morning a third day. So <clears throat> this, again, what's the point of this? Well, God is, through Moses, is, is recording this for us to look at this and see the order that exists. It's, it's really like, um, and I'll just read it. If we look at uh, Psalm 19, the heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. In other words, this is the silent witness of the heavens. I mean, you look up at night um, and you see all these stars and galaxies, um, or you look at, say, the nearest galaxy to ours is Andromeda, and it looks like this fuzzy star. Not a star. It's a galaxy, and that's the nearest galaxy. And so you just look at the, the order and that it continues to work orderly, almost like it's upheld and, and, and uh, continued to be in that state. Um, <clears throat> there is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. It's that silent witness of these stars. Uh, their line, or their message, their sound, their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun. So again, this, this expanse, which the, the sun and the solar system is a part of. So that's, that's a real contrast between, you know, what humans try to replace God with and what exists. So um, just a couple of points that we made about this particular section, um, 1, 9 to uh, verse 13. Um, and uh, this, again, may, I don't know, it may relate since he's talking about the earth and the surface and vegetation, may relate to later on when after the sun has been created and there's the, the kind of order that we see today. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's put in that place for a reason. Uh, maybe we'll understand that someday. 
Um, so that's this section, verses 9 to 13. Any questions or comments on this? Yes, Brian. It's already contained. Spoken for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, every time I read this, I find something new, which may indicate the depth of, of God's mind here on how he created this. Um, <clears throat> Okay, so let's move on. I, that was a lot quicker than I figured, so and what, what a great class. <clears throat> um, so well, the next section, and we'll probably spend the rest of this time and maybe part of next week on this because there's some, of course, this is my area as a one-act pony. This is the stuff I really <laughs> like. So um, in verses 14 to 19, you know, he, he stretched out the heavens, the, the firmament, if you will, and now he's going to populate those. And there's some fascinating stuff and things in these, in these verses. So let me just read it. This is verses 14 to 19. 1, 14 to 19. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. And God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, a fourth day. So this is, like I said, filling or populating uh, the heavens. The um, Remember, just as a contrast to modern cosmology, the universe isn't flying apart, you know? The expanse was done, and now he's placing stars in the expanse that he made uh, of the heavens. Very orderly. Again, real contrast. Um, <clears throat> the physical expanse was complete. It was done um, a few verses ago. So in verse 14, and you know what? Let me just get on my soapbox a little bit. I love these astrophysical briefs that we have where these, uh, bless their hearts, these astrophysicists will get up and say, what we have here is a star-forming region, really. And it's all this gas and nebular stuff. And uh, you can see different elements glow, different colors and everything. But, but this is, uh, this is uh, the uh, interstellar clouds, the accumulation of gas and plasma and galactic dust in this star-forming regions. Hmm. So have you ever seen one form? Nah, 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 it takes millions uh, to billions of years. Can't, can't see it. Really? Well, that's not observational then, but it, it, it just doesn't happen that way. 
and, and uh, stars exist even after they become supernova explosions because all the energy and matter is still there. They still glow. Uh, they still have a redshift, which can be misinterpreted. And so these things exist, but they don't just, just especially when the expanse supposedly is continuing, then how do you have things condense into galaxies and stars, especially stars with the huge density to create, you know, with thermonuclear reactions to create the light? How does that happen? How do you have this backing up or this expansion? Oh, but within that, the, then the, 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 these, this uh, matter just, uh, you know, uh, uh, gathers together by gravity. And over a long time, that gravity keeps, you know, combining the star and a future star into more and more density so that then thermonuclear reactions happen and they have light. You'd think, yeah. Yeah, which again, you know, there's a lot subject to interpretation. We'll talk about the redshift when we do the, the comparison a little bit and how there can be other reasons for the redshift. It's not that the universe is flying apart. Listen, that would be completely contra contrasted here. The universe isn't flying apart. Look what he says. Um, well, we'll get there when he, when he placed, you know, these objects in the heaven. Um, so sorry for that um, little rabbit trail. Um, so then God said, so again, this is an orderly, sequential uh, order to this creation. Then God said, let there be lights, which could be luminaries, uh, light bearers, essentially, in the expanse of the heaven, heavens to separate uh, the day from the night. And I had to ponder that a long time. So what's the big deal? We see day and night all the time. Why do you think there's this emphasis? Again, it's on the order of this. There's an order, day and night, that's created. Didn't just mishmash together. Um, so to separate the day from the night and let the, them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Again, the order that we can actually observe. We, we can see this order in the, the sequential uh, you know, develop the solar system, whatever we observe in the, in the heavens. Um, <clears throat> well, there's a parallel for sure. I think those are teaching analogies. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think so. I think so. So the, which should be obvious to us as we observe it. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, it is.
it will all fit. And orchestrate the end from the beginning all the way through. You know, in Newton's day, um, many believed that the, the universe is like this wound-up clock. Because they understand a little bit about the universe running down and entropy, you know, the second law of thermodynamics. But um, so it was like this wound-up clock. But then it just runs on, it, on its own. No, it doesn't. We may not see the supernatural upholding of all these things, but it's there, and we'll see later on in the last uh, session that we have that Christ himself upholds the universe. It's not just this wound-up clock, okay, have fun, uh, I'm going to wind it up now and let it go. No, no, it's just, it's just the wrong picture. But again, man always corrupts this stuff and makes it something he can grasp and understand, but um, ultimately we can't. Um, but there is a lot that's understandable here. I think that's the, the point. Um, so let's see uh, where I am here. Um, and again, we talked about this before. There's a difference between light and light bearers. Um, that, you know, in Psalm 74, uh, 16, he talks about the light and the sun. Oh, those are, those are different things. And we saw that in Genesis 1-3. He created light. It was like part of his nature that he released in Genesis 1-3. That's different than light bearer like the sun is. Uh, so there's a distinction there. Um, <clears throat> and again, the order is really what's, what's key here for signs and for seasons and days and years. <clears throat> and in verse 15, and let them be for lights, luminaries or light bearers in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, and it was so. You know what this doesn't say? Okay, I'm going to place these stars in the heavens, and um, we're going to wait 13.8 billion years before that light gets to earth. doesn't say that. So what are the implications of <clears throat> uh, in the expanse? So the farthest distant reaches of the expanse, um, of the heavens to give light on the earth. Let these things be for lights in, in, in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. So what does that mean? The only way I can make sense of this is that at the beginning, before the fall, light speed may have been infinite or at least a heck of a lot faster than C. Now, the, the little C, which is the speed of light, which is 3 times 10 to the 8 meters per second, 186,000 miles an hour, whatever. So that's fast. But at the beginning, to make this work, looks like light speed was infinite. Now, what does that mean? We throw infinite around, and we have no, what are we talking about here? What it means is that the light was just there. It was immediate. It was, um, I have some notes here somewhere if I haven't lost them. Um, it, it was, so if you, you imagine this star that's placed in the heavens to give light on the earth, then um, and say it's at the far reaches, at least as far as we know, is like 13.8 billion light years. 
which is huge. And so that star to give light on the earth. How else could that happen? But it, the light was immediately there. The light path was there. Um, when we talk about the comparisons with cosmology, we'll t I'll talk about this a little bit more, but, but it's just that light uh, ex is ex just existed. And so it had to be what we would call working from our slow speeds up, but have to be infinite. But from God's perspective down, it was just there immediately. Uh, no time delay in the light, um, which is amazing to think about. This also answers some other problems with modern cosmology, like um, which we'll talk about. Um, so this word lights, which we said lights or luminaries, it's um, the word maior or meora, which is a luminary, which is a light bearer, um, bright light, Lighting, lights, shining, this is all a lot of great help. Um, or the most common use is just as a luminary or a star. And that's about as deep as we can uh, get into what, what that really means. A celestial body, a body that gives light. Um, and again, I love it, and it was so. So, what does that mean? So it was such. It was uh, remarkably, extremely, very, it was, it was so. Um, one of the verses I've really come to like a lot is in Isaiah 40, uh, Isaiah 40, 26. And in reading these verses, you kind of have a more appreciation for what Isaiah is recording here. Isaiah 40, 26, lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. Um, it's a personal universe, which, you know, you know classical, you know, physical cosmology, it's, it's just totally impersonal. There's nobody that could, could do this. It's just was, you know, like that one scientist said, you know, the universe is just something that happens every once in a while. Really? And you get up in the morning for that? Uh, I mean, it's amazing. And so, and see who has created these stars. This should lead us to the personal God who created this order that allows us to see this order. Um, so it's, it's amazing. I know I have a little threshold of entertainment. You're, you're going to have to bear with me through this whole thing. Um, so, luminary, light bearer, and it was so. Remember that this Hebrew writing is not poetry. This is the account of when the heavens were made. It's not poetic. Uh, a lot of people say, ah, it's just poetic. No, it's not. Um, in verse 16... Um, he says, and God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. So the greater light, we know what that is, the sun. Don't stare at it too long. By the way, do you know how long it takes sunlight to reach Earth from the surface of the sun? Eight minutes and 40 seconds. We don't think about that. We look up and it's, it's immediate. It's like it was already here. Mm -mm. 
took eight minutes. So the, my point is that constraint of the limited speed of light C, uh, again, after the fall, has created a lot of what we see, the limitations that we see. Looking out, you know, that with the evolutionary way of thinking, it's just, it's really imperfect. But before the fall, if light speed was unlimited, you know, increasing without um, limit, then that allows a lot of the things that we see to have been done. It was so. It was done. It was, it was created. So, and God made the two great lights, the sun to govern the day, the, the greater light, and the lesser light to govern the, light, the, the night. That lesser maybe because it's less intense, it's reflected light, which even the ancients knew it was reflected from the sun. And so the, the lesser light, it was, it's, of, course, of course, we know the moon is smaller than the sun, hugely smaller. But the interesting thing is when we look, the diameter, when we look at the sun and the moon, they're about the same, which is interesting. Uh, I have no idea what deeper implications there are, but they're about the same uh, diameter as we, as we look at them. Um, <clears throat> And, and I, I used to think of this as, this, this is almost like an afterthought. All these astrophysicists are worshiping the stars, and wait, he made the stars also? That's it? It's, it's also almost like an afterthought. Yeah, he made the stars. Yeah, he made the stars too. Uh, the sun and the moon, of course, as far as humans on Earth, those are the most important objects that, that you know, we're interested in. But... Um, and he made the stars also. Well, I think it's because there was really a predisposition to worship these things. So these are not to be worshipped. These are celestial bodies created to, for signs and seasons and things and not to be uh, worshipped. <clears throat> it's, so it's not just an afterthought. Um, that word stars is the word uh, kokab, which is from an unused word which means it's not derivative. It's just from this word that's unique, uniquely to that, that object, uh, star, um, and with ancient origins. So that's what they just always called them. And so it's, again, from an unused word, which I've always thought was curious. Why would they say that? Well, it's just uh, a word that it's not derivative, and it's ancient, and it's just this is the word for that, which isn't very illuminating which for stars, no pun intended, but uh, it's interesting. Um, uh, planets are included in the general definition here because the word planet in the Greek is wanderer. And so that's because planets move with respect to the stellar background. And so they knew this, you know, you know in ancient times, that these stars, these wanderers, uh, moved with respect, uh, unlike stars, which were more or less uh, fixed as the Earth uh, 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 rotated. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so in, in 17, and God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. That's the second time he said that. When things are repeated, what does that mean? Kind of important. Kind of important. Uh, so placed them in the expanse, and, and this placed... I love it because um, that's not what modern cosmology says. It's just all this willy-nilly, random, explosive 
expanding that just all came together in these stars and galaxies. And uh, I mean, what a fairy tale, seriously. And God placed them in the expanse, which was completed, uh, of the heavens to give light on the earth. So that means there's no galactic recession like we see. Oh, that's what dark energy is, you know? The, the universe is just uh, expanding, you know, much faster than, nah, nah. It, which would uh, mean that the universe isn't complete. It is. The only uh, operating function in the universe today is that it's running down. The second law of thermodynamics, it's not getting better. You know, it's running down. It's, uh, it's being more and more corrupted. Um, so, and also, let me just say it again. He placed these in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, not to wait 13.8 billion light years. Seriously? Uh, so, again, we have to reconcile this, which we'll do later, with the redshift that we observe. So what could be some other reasons for that redshift? And the simplest is it was caused by the fall. When light speed went from this uh, unlimited, infinite speed uh, down, was immediately reduced to the finite three times 10 to the eight meters per second. So that's a huge discontinuity. Well, that would indicate this redshift that goes farther and farther out as we observe it. Um, let's see. The word placed, that God placed these in the heavens, um, is the word Nathan, which is a primary or primitive root uh, to give, put, or set. But I guess I can't emphasize enough that that's a, a pretty strong word. He placed them. They were set uh, in the heavens uh, to give light uh, on the earth. So I just have a couple minutes left, but what I, what I want to just leave you with, you can think about, and hopefully you won't lose sleep over this, um, but um, this light speed. Uh, Chuck Missler, who many have read, and he's written a lot on creation, and I don't know how he did this calculation, but he believed that before the fall, the speed of light was 10 to the 10 or um, 100 billion times faster than what we observe today. And so that changed at the fall. I don't know if that's the right number, and I, I, I have it in my notes uh, what his calculation was, but it, it very well could have been infinite, which kind of fits because remember how light was created it wasn't built in that sense. It was God releasing his own nature, and his nature is infinite. So it may make sense to have this, this immediate light speed um, at the beginning uh, before the fall. So something to think about, this, 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 and I'll show you more how this really makes things uh, work as far as what we see, what we observe uh, today. Any uh, questions or comments or, dear?
Yeah, I think so. Well, and to maybe help make your point, um, he says these things, each, each individual thing, he says, and it was good. At the end, in verse 31 of chapter 1 of Genesis, and God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Now, that's, that's before the fall, because stuff we observe now is not very good. It's corrupted. It's, it's running down. It's uh, the second law of thermodynamics, entropy. And so um, at creation, it was very good, which it doesn't exist now. So how do we, how do we come to grips with that? How, it doesn't fit with what we observe, but uh, has some, I think, really important implications that we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. Any other comments? Or? Yes, Rita. Nah. Yes. The light path is continuous, but it didn't take that long to get to Earth before the fall. Well, I, I'm uncomfortable with the word turn off and turn on because we don't, I, it's, it's hard for me to really understand how and it's supernatural how he creates these stars to because if you, if you talk to astrophysicists you know it's a it's a pretty detailed complicated thing for gravity to pull this star together at such a point where the the heat and the density is such that thermonuclear reactions happen that's just not turning on or turning off i mean that's 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 a huge thing he made the stars also so he wasn't just one. Uh, it was not just the sun. It was a bunch. So, um, yes, absolutely. Yes, I believe that. It's already here. Why does who care? But see, that's the evolutionary way of looking at this. Because if light was always at this finite speed and the distances are so large that it took a long, long time to get here at that speed. Um, so... Yeah, and 
Yes, John. I think so. I mean, that's a hard question. I don't know. And, and again, if you put it in the context of modern science, that, yeah, it takes a long time for that event. People talk about um, Betel, Betelgeuse, and the, the red star that's at the top of Orion. And that's this red giant, which everybody's waiting for it to, to, to run out of hydrogen fuel and then collapse into a supernova and then explode. And some people have done calculations. Is we're kind of on the edge of that ex explosion, so I wouldn't be waiting for this, you know, happily. But uh, but it's it's a red. You can see the reddish of that top star, and um, so people have talked about. Yeah, well, that blows up. We won't see it for such and such and whatever. How long it takes? So I mean, it's an interesting point. Uh, I don't know. I don't know when. Especially the revelation stuff is so. Uh, there's so much imagery. You know, um, it, it, it's, it's kind of hard to connect that with observation. What does this mean? Well, it could mean a couple of things, and, and I don't know, John. There's other places that talk about, uh, like in Matthew uh, 24 and Revelation 6, when he breaks the, the sixth seal, and then uh, the stars, it says the stars fell to earth. Well, they fall toward the earth, and that's how all these, the laws that are, he upholds now, that upholding is taken away. And so there's going to be huge changes, and, and uh, islands will be moved out of their places, and stars will fall toward the earth, things that have never happened. So there's a lot in there that's, that's um, I'll let somebody else teach Revelation. Barb can teach it. <laughs> okay, anything else? Any other comments? Father, we just thank you for um, your word and um, that we just might be able to uh, know you better and know your word better. Keep, keep our noses in the book, Father. And uh, again, we, we really want to learn from you and walk with you. And uh, thank you for this time and, and uh, that we can spend uh, in your word and help us to understand it and grasp it even more. In Jesus' name. Amen.